Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. Governments around the globe are initiating mega projects to revive their economies. It is in all our interests that these mega projects are well managed. I'm delighted to talk with Professor Ben Flubia about post-pandemic challenges managing mega projects. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. In this episode, I'm absolutely delighted to talk with Professor Ben Flubia. Professor Bent is a BT professor and inaugural chair of major program management at Said Business School in Oxford and a professorial fellow at St. Anne's College. He is the most cited scholar in the world in mega project management. He serves as advisor and consultant to government and business, including the US and UK governments and several Fortune 500 companies. He's an external advisor to McKinsey and other consultancies. He has worked on some of the largest projects in the world on all aspects from front-end planning, delivery and rescue of failing projects. Welcome, Professor Bent. Professor Bent, thank you so, so much for contributing to the Better Boards podcast series. You are the most cited scholar in the world in mega project management. Governments around the globe have committed billions to support business and invest in large infrastructure projects to revive the economy after this first wave of the pandemic outbreak. Boards are challenged. Running mega projects is one of the big post-pandemic challenges. The big question is, what counts now? Let's break this down for our listeners. First of all, what is a mega project? Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. A mega project is a very large project, as the word mega indicates. And typically we say something that costs more than a billion dollars is typically also complex. And that's both uh, socially and technologically. So socially in the sense that many stakeholders are involved. So there's social and political organizational complexity in arriving at decisions And uh, often there's also new technology involved, new complex technology. Uh, many of these projects are actually technology driven, especially in the IT and communications sector. But also in energy these days, there's a lot of new stuff going on technology wise. So very big, complex socially and technologically and And then also typically affecting a lot of people. As a rule of thumb, more than a million people will be impacted by. That. Those are the, the, the three main characteristics, expensive, complex, and impactful. So when you're called, what are the three things you always notice to support a mega project? What has or is about to fail? So uh, uh, we typically get called in different types of situations, at least two main types. So one is when things have gone wrong, which is what you are indicating with your question, that a project has, we call it broken. So the project is broken and we now need to fix it. We call that the break fix. And that's actually sadly very common. Probably the most common model for mega projects is it started with high hope and optimism and uh, enthusiasm. And then somewhere midway through, it breaks. We do things right from the start and avoid breaking. 
And we, we experience with both situations. The situation that you talk about where we come in to a project that is in trouble, what we typically see is that the project wasn't planned well. So basically, they have a business plan that is not implementable, which of course would be a problem for anybody. No matter how good a team you have, let's say you had a good team, no matter how good they are, if they get a business plan that is impossible to uh, deliver on, then they will fail. And that actually uh, happens often. So that's the first thing we see, actually, and that is very much across the board is a bad business plan, that this project wasn't developed properly before they started. So that's the main first thing we see. A second thing that is also common is that you don't have the right people in place to actually deliver the project. So the team has not been composed in the right manner. And that's something that needs to work. You need to have rights with the right people in the specific positions that needs to be covered. And if you don't have that, then you're also very likely to fail. And that, that's often the problem that we come across also that needs to be fixed when we go in break fix. So often there actually will be people who get moved to other positions or get fired and other people are hired. That's a second thing that we see. And then a third thing that we see is that the governance structure is not right for the project. The whole structure that is set up around the project and the team including the project director that is delivering the project, is not conducive to get the right outcome. And if you don't have the right incentives, we shouldn't be surprised that things don't turn out as, as planned. So these are the, the three things, a bad business plan and not up to par team, and a third a governance structure that is not really working. And all those things need to be fixed before you can hope that the project will get back on track and get delivered and have some success. And now let's shift focus. What are, in your view, the characteristics of a successful mega project? That's an easy one to answer after we discuss the first thing, because a successful mega project is the mega project that doesn't make these three mistakes. You know, instead of having a bad business plan, they have a good business plan. So they spend the time necessary to uh, develop a good business plan upfront. We call it front end planning. So the front end planning is done properly, and they don't start until they have a proper front end plan. This is actually a mistake that is often done that people start too early. They start before they know what they're doing or what they have to do. You can be sure that you'll get problems down the line if you do that, which is what we see. So to be successful, first thing, develop a successful business plan, a doable business plan, and make sure that you stick to it and you take the time that it actually takes to develop it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is hire the right people. You got to get the team right. That is probably the most important thing of anything. If you have to point out, if you just point out one thing that is the most important, it's getting the right team. And like I said, that's often also not the case that you have that. But if you want success, you got to have the right team. You basically have to have people who have tried to deliver the kind of project that you were delivering before. So you want to hire somebody who on their CV has that, hey, I did a project like this, you know, not too long ago. So I actually have the experience of doing one of those and preferably even more than one, the more the better, of course, because the more experienced people would be. And then the third thing is get the right governance structure. And this is very much where the board comes in. So it's very much the, the responsibility of the board to make sure that their organization has the right governance structure. That entails a lot of different things. But one fundamental thing that is a prerequisite for success is that you have a culture that encourages bad news. That to most organizations is very uncomfortable. Most organizations, including most boards, are encouraging good news. You know, the leadership actually don't want to hear bad news in most mm -hmm. cases. 
And in most organizations, just think about the organizations you have worked in yourself. Nobody really wants to be the person who brings the bad news to the boss, whoever the boss is. And ultimately, the boss is the board, right? So the board is probably the one unit within an organization that is most likely to be isolated from bad news. That's a bad thing, you know, because there's one thing you can be sure of if you're doing a mega project, that is there will be bad news. There's no way to do a mega project without bad news. It's going to go wrong. It's probably going to go wrong on many fronts. And the difference between a successful mega project and a failure is that when it starts going wrong, it is noted immediately and action is taken immediately. And you can only have that if bad news are welcome. If the person who is bringing the bad news that the project is now going wrong is not considered a troublemaker or somebody you don't want to listen to by either killing the messenger or isolating the messenger, as often happens. You know. And this is a prime role for the board to make sure that all the way from the board through the CEO and the C-suite and all the way down the organization to the shop floor, whatever that is, there is a culture that when things start going wrong, you communicate up the organization, you tell the people above you, and the board and the C-suite has to have put in information systems, communication systems, where this is formalized, where we call it early warning sign systems. And this is something you can develop as a formalized tool, and that will work you know, if you follow it, and that good organizations have, and that good organizations actually do follow. So that's one responsibility of the board to set up this culture of welcoming bad news. Another thing is having this early warning sign system. Of course, also implementing an incentive structure that will encourage the behavior that you want and the results that you want, and that will discourage the behavior and the results that you don't want. And you will find that in the majority of cases, these things are lacking. So we shouldn't be surprised when projects go wrong. But to answer your question of what it takes to have a successful project and role the board can have in this, that is the answer. And what specifically has the board to do to create such a culture? The board has to communicate on an ongoing basis that they welcome bad news and people must tell them the bad news about mega projects when the projects start going wrong. So for instance, when there's a delay, this is a classic, you know, there's always delays on projects like this, if not for the whole project, usually for the whole project, but even if it's not for the whole project, then on parts of the project, there will be delays. That needs to be communicated. The common behavior is to hide these things, like hide delays and hide cost overruns as long as you can. You sweep it under the carpet. And very often, the project team will justify this by telling themselves, hey, we're still early in the project cycle here. We have four years to deliver this and uh, we can catch up. This is a huge mistake and therefore they will not communicate the news that they are delayed. They will hide it. And it's a huge mistake because it actually turns out that the logic is exactly wrong that you can catch up. It turns out an early delay in a project is much worse than a later delay. So instead of thinking this is not a problem to have a delay early, you should think this is a disaster. We already have a delay. The reason early delays are more problematic than later delays is there's much more project for an early delay to impact on than for a later delay. So the further you get into the project, the more is already delivered mm -hmm. and the less project there is for a delay to impact on. But early on, when you've only done 1% of the project, there's 99% that the delay can impact on. Later, when you've done 70% of the project, you have a delay, there's only 30% of the project that the delay can impact on. So a one-month delay upfront 
has much more consequence than a one-month delay far into the project. And most people overlook these types of logic and therefore think, okay, we can hide things. We don't need to communicate it. So this is what the board needs to do to make sure that this gets communicated, escalated, and all the way up to the board if it's a sufficiently important issue. Of course, you need to decide which level do we escalate to for, for specific types of problem. For instance, the specific sizes of delay, where do they get escalated to, or specific sizes of cost overrun, where do they get escalated to? And then the board needs to welcome and reward people who come with bad news. This actually takes a, this takes a lot of personality. You know, it takes a lot of integrity for uh, an individual, say the chairperson of a board or a member of a board, to actually express when somebody comes to them and tell them things are going wrong. And then, you know, to smile and say, we're so happy you came and told us this and uh, we're going yeah. to reward you for this. You don't see that a lot in organizations, but it is what you need. And the board can make a huge difference on that. Do you actually see a difference between the public and private sector? Um, not so much. I would say that if I had to do one thing, I would emphasize that these things are quite similar in both the public and the private sector. And we work in both sectors a lot. So we have good opportunities to compare. Plus, we also study this in our research. There is one difference, and that is that the public sector, by the nature of things, tend to take on projects that are more risky than the private sector. Both are taking projects that are quite risky. But If you look at it, one of the reasons that we have a public sector is actually to do things that the private sector doesn't find attractive. And often that is because things are not sufficiently profitable or they are too risky, which in many cases uh, roll into the same thing. And in those cases, you'll see often the public sector will go in and say, hey, this is not something we can do without in a society, so we're going to do it anyway. We're going to go in and develop this technology for defense or whatever it is, or, or we're going, as you see now with COVID-19, you see the, the public sector stepping in and doing many things that the private sector used to do because now it's just too important to leave it to chance. So that's one difference is that the public sector will get involved in projects that are uh, on average more risky than the projects that the private sector does. We have now a big discussion, I think, in every country where the public sector had to step in They also want to play their part in govern, protecting the money they put in. So quite often they ask for a seat once they supported the project. Do you have any view on these mixed boards where people from the public and private sector try to work together? The one from the public sector may not come from that industry, may not have the practical know-how. How can these partnerships work? So I think that if it's done right, it could be a good thing. But the thing is that people have to remember why they are on a board. And so I've had several board positions myself. And what I observe, you know, when I'm on a board is that people often forget why they are on a board. They think they are there to maintain the interest of some outside organization. So they actually use their influence on the board to promote the interests of the organization they come from. And in this case, we're talking about now, it could be that you get somebody representing the public sector and then they start thinking about, okay, how do I promote the interest of the public sector on this board in this company? That would be wrong in my view. And actually, according to the constitution of most boards, it actually would be violating the rules of the board because your first and primary role as a board member is to act in the interest of the organization. 
That's your job, not to uh, promote the interest in some other organization. And that's what often goes wrong when you get these boards with outside interests. And that, that's a pedagogical job. And that's actually where an organization like your own better boards could come in, you know, and say, we actually need to train people to serve on board so they don't make the mistake of not acting in the interest of the organization which board they are on. So coming to an end, you made some very crucial points. What are the three things our listeners shall really take away from this podcast to make sure that they are on a board working with a successful mega project? First thing a board has to understand, if you're doing a mega project, that mega project is your baby. You cannot delegate it. It's a big mistake that boards often do. First, they delegate to the CEO, and then the CEO makes the same mistake of delegating it down the organization to some project director. If you're doing a multi-billion, and we are talking, many of these projects are multi-billion dollar projects, then just one project going wrong can destroy your organization. And that has happened many times, actually, in the history of companies, that one project goes wrong and the organization goes belly up. And of course, as a board, that's your primary duty to protect the survival of the organization that you work in. So the way to do that is make that mega project your baby and not lose sight of it. Don't think you can delegate it. That doesn't mean that other parts of the organization won't be working on it and it won't be in the boardroom all the time, but it has to come back for review, reconfirmation, adjustments, and so on, on a regular basis. And that has to be according to a process that is put in place when the project is started. So I would say that's the primary thing for a board. Then second, of course, the board needs to make sure that they hire a CEO who understands mega projects if mega projects are central to the organization. And that uh, the CEO hires a team that understand how to do these projects. Those would be the two main things that the board would be responsible for. And then the third thing that we already talked about is to make sure that a governance structure is in place that actually is conducive to what you want to achieve with the project. So that incentivizes the right behavior and results and disincentivizes the wrong behavior that so you don't get it and results so you don't get those either. And that has this early warning sign system so that the board will be told immediately if something is going wrong. Fantastic. I think it's in all our interest that mega projects go well, because at the end of the day, it's a lot of public money in these projects. It so is. And more and more and more mega projects are being done, especially now with rebuilding the economy and rebuilding better. We'll see a lot more mega projects and they're also getting bigger. So we have a higher frequency of projects and a larger size of projects. So this is a sector of the economy that is growing quite rapidly. Thank you ever so much, Professor Bent. My pleasure. How can we help you and your board? We at Better Boards are delighted to hear from you. You can best reach us on info at better-boards.com. Mm -hmm.